Hello, and thank you for joining us on Building Greatness, The Warrior Way, a Westcliff University athletics podcast. As always, I am joined by our Dean of Athletics, Sean Harris. Yay, yay. And I'm Sherm Dog, David Shermet, the head baseball coach at Westcliff University. And today we are celebrating women. In fact, all week, I think we're going to be celebrating women in sports. And we have an outstanding guest today, and we're going to get right to the interview. So let's go. We have a very special guest today as we are branching out globally, so to speak. Uh, Melissa Malari, who is joining us today from the Boston area, who is actually a manager for Adidas Global Basketball. Melissa, thank you very much for joining us. How are you today? I'm well. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Couldn't be better. Thank you very much for coming on. It's always a pleasure. Um, You know, we have a lot of questions about uh, Adidas and global basketball. This is a great time. I don't know, Sean, if you happen to see the way the Laker game ended last night. Sure did. I saw AD. Pretty exciting. I saw AD pretty much bail out LeBron last night. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, he dropped a Kobe right in the right at the end of the game, and man, oh man, was that exciting! Um, but you know, when I when I hear Adidas, and this is probably wrong on my part because I grew up in a different era, I think shoes. But Adidas is so much more than that. I, I know it is, and and that's why we have Melissa on today to explain a little bit about um, international. I mean, this is global Adidas uh, we're talking about today. But before we get into that, Melissa. How did you come to know our Dean of Athletics, Sean Harris? So Sean and I were actually introduced through his son, Dijon. Um, I, was at, I was working a tournament trying to stay behind the scenes. And of course, um, his son, Dominic's playing. And so, you know, I'm always interacting with the kids, making sure that one, um, the media people are respecting them and their space and the coach's space. And then two, making sure whoever is on the court should be on the court, whoever's not needs to politely sit somewhere else. Um, so Deshaun and I actually, we met at a basketball tournament. He ended up introducing me to his whole family that day. And it's been love ever since. They're like a second family to me. Oh, very cool. That's really neat. You know, I've gotten to know Sean's family over a period of time. We had his son on, Deshaun, was on the podcast recently. Um, and so hopefully, we'll, you know, maybe we'll be able to have Dom on too sometime soon. I mean, he's uh, on to great things here and. Uh, very shortly going to Gonzaga to play basketball. Um, you, you know, that's, yep, that's a, a pretty big title, um, global basketball for um, Adidas. How did you, or what path did you take to, to get to that position? Yeah, I mean, every day um, when I first started working, I'm like, I can't believe this badge works. I can't believe, like, I can say that I work for global basketball um, and for a global brand that, you know, everyone says if, if you walk down the street and you see 10 people and at least two people are wearing that brand, then that's a global brand. That's a billion dollar brand. Um, and I can confidently say that when I walk down the street and I see 10 people, at least two people are wearing Adidas, whether it's a sweatshirt or some sneakers. But I actually started Humble Beginnings. Um, I was a manager, I played high school basketball. I was a manager in high school. Um, I became a manager at Pepperdine University for the men's basketball team. And that somehow parlayed me into an internship with Adidas Basketball. And I had applied for many internships, some Under Armour, NBA, um, a lot of s- some smaller companies. But Adidas was one that I was like, this is a long shot. Let me try it. I thankfully had interned um, and met a couple people at Adidas when I was interning at basketball tournaments. And I reached out to them and said, hey, I, 
I know it's a long shot. I applied for this internship. Would you happen to write me a recommendation letter? They somehow had the time. They wrote me a recommendation letter. I interned. I presented um, a plan for e-commerce to our GM of basketball at the time. And one of the solutions was keep me on. I know I'm a junior. I know I'm enter entering my senior year at Pepperdine. But e-com, you can work from anywhere as long as you hit deadlines. And it's a global company. So we're already speaking to people in Germany and in China. Um, so I think I can operate from Malibu. And I told him all of this and I, I was like expecting for him to kind of just like laugh and be like, we're thinking of you, let us know when you graduate. And he said, you're right, we'll keep you on. So they extended my internship while I was at Pepperdine. And when I graduated, um, there was a new boss, the GM brought him in. So the GM said, you know, hey, can you, can you meet with Melissa? Next time you're in LA, meet with Melissa. She's one of our interns. You know, if, if there's a spot on the team for her, then, you know, let's, let's figure it out. And thankfully him and I hit it off. He hired me and I've been rocking with Adidas ever since. And I, I transitioned from an intern to an assistant manager working on e-com and retail to now touching a lot of projects that go from what we're working on currently, NBA reactive stuff uh, with Jamal still being in the playoffs. And then also just looking at the future and looking at collaborations that stretch out from 2022 um, to even 2025, looking mm -hmm. at that. So my job is ever evolving. Um, I've had to stay super dynamic and super nimble and just make it work. And I'm, I'm loving it. Hmm. It's crazy, but I love yeah. it. It sounds like it's a little kinetic. You're going in a lot yeah. of different directions at the same time. Yep. Mm. Yep. And you just have to, you have to stay open to it. Mm -hmm. okay. you know, as, as soon as you get too, um, too honed in on what you do, then, I mean, it, this is such, this world is constantly changing. <laughs> That's my boss right now. See, so uh -oh. this world is constantly changing. <laughs> um, and you have to stay, you have to stay ready for, for whatever life's going to, you know, throw your way. Thankful that I've been able to stay ready. Okay. Well, what do you ultimately want to accomplish with Adidas? Is it is it more than just building the brand? You know, it's yeah, it's it's more than just building the brand. It's more than just um, you know increasing sales and and all these this, all this business jargon that I'm I'm sure everyone who works at at a brand a billion dollar brand wants to do. Um, you want to leave the brand better than than when you first walked in. But I think for me, I'm, I'm more of a, a micro level thinker. I think, what do I want people to say about me if I ever do leave the brand? And, and I hope that they say I'm a great teammate. I hope that they say that I always showed up. Um, and I think one thing that Adidas has done really well is create, um, create an environment where people want to show up and they want to win, they want to do better. Um, need all this brand because we are we are a German company who we have a great uh, North America office and at the end of the day it's trying to find a way that German brand um, who who is in every single you know is is in every um, is in every single part of sport like you know we've been in, we have moments in the Olympics where in boxing, we're in football, we're in basketball. It's like, how do we, how do we stay true to American sports? And I think that's one thing. Basketball is a huge red, red thread when it comes to making an impact in the U.S. Yeah, you know, and the crazy thing, uh, Mel, is that Dom has been um, rocking with Adidas 
since the eighth grade, you know, on a, you know, on a sponsored basketball team um, with a high athletics, uh, you know, with um, Dream Vision, you know, Clay Williams and his camp. So just so happened, you know, that you was a part of Adidas, just so happened, you know, Dom has been with a Adidas-sponsored team. So that, that connection, you know, just ran deep in so many different avenues. So that was a really, really uh, um, just coincidental, you know, but but on time. You know, and um, not only, um, you know, have his, you know, Adidas played a big part in basketball, but soccer. I mean, you guys just rule soccer. And a lot of people don't understand, like, that's really you guys' space. I mean, soccer is huge for you guys. Um, How have you been able to transition now, um, you know, being a Cali girl up in Portland, you know, uh, making a difference, uh, you know, making an impact? I know it's a lot of lately. It's been a lot of social unrest, a lot of things going on uh, in Portland, um, in just a small pocket. But if you didn't know it, um, you would think all of Portland is just going crazy. Uh, but really, if you dig, if you dig into it, it's really been only a couple square blocks uh, where the protests and things like that. How have you been able to uh, balance that being a minority working for Adidas and still? you know, wanting to impact, you know, social injustice? Right. Um, it's been a challenge. It's been a challenge. I, I was one of the, the first few people about COVID. And, you know, they had, um, an athlete was tested positive. We had a couple of people that were around, you know, that athlete. Um, and if you were around them, you need to sit out. And I remember I was planning a trip to Atlanta. It was supposed to be a two-week trip, market travel, Um and I needed to just cancel everything, you know? And and then you kind of get used to this routine of, of, okay, we're working from home. I don't know how long this is gonna last to show up. And then all of a sudden, you know, this happens. It's, it's one of those things where, okay, now we, we're not just gonna show up. We're not just gonna um, show up to work. This is a problem. Police brutality is a problem, um, innocent, Black people being murdered is a problem. And our roster of athletes, you know, the majority of them are Black, at, at least in basketball, you know. To me, it's like, how how do we show up for our athletes? How do we show up for our community? Um, and how do we honor ourselves? And trying to find that balance within a company um, that is, I hate to say it, but it's like all older companies they are a part of systemic racism. They have practiced it. Um, so how do you hold them accountable? How do you hold them accountable to change? I'm thankful that my boss is super supportive. And you know, one of the things he had said to me is, if you need to, if you need to take a break, you all, you can take a break. You don't owe anyone an explanation. Um, and so I That's did huge. take a That's moment powerful. to kind of, yeah, it, it was. And he's a black man, so. I'm sure there are people at, at, you know, Adidas, at Nike, at Under Armour, um, who didn't have that luxury. I'm sure there are people at um, startup companies who had to, you know, recently downsize. So they're already nimble and, and they didn't have that luxury. Um, so I'm very grateful that he said that not just to me, but to my team. I'm thankful that our GM had, had also said that um publicly and and within like a big team setting i think there was maybe like a hundred of us on the call and he had said this is not okay if you guys need to take a break take it um but 
me being in brand comms, it's like, how do we support our athletes? As, as much as I may feel mentally exhausted um, and want to support my personal friends and, and family, it's, it's how do we support our partners? How do we support Dame and Jalen um, and Donovan? And I think the, I guess the best reflection of, of how we were able to make all of this come to life and, and turn this into we could support someone of our community was when, when Donovan released his sneaker and he said, you know, the profit for this shoe will be going towards a fund for the education of Jacob Blake's children. And, and, you know, there was so so much connectivity in that because his mom's an educator. Um, Donovan is always thinking about how he can help the community. And of course this, we can't stop sneakers from launching, you know, it's like, we got to keep the lights on. So product is always going to launch, but how do we, how do we talk about it in a way that makes a difference? And how do we not just sell sneakers? Because not a lot of kids, I mean, there are a lot of kids playing basketball, but there's a lot less because of COVID. Um, and that's only going to, to keep on happening until we figure out how to, how to solve this pandemic. So it's like when this was happening, it was Don, how do we support Donovan? How do we support our community? Um, how do we respectfully launch a shoe amongst all this chaos? Um, so I think that was the best like example that I could give of our team internally working channel team, which is Donovan and, and his agency that uh, represents him. And how do we bring this to life? And I don't think there was, there was a lot of pushback from the brand, which was great too, because oftentimes working for a big company, there's always going to be pushback coming from, from someone. And I've been thankful that within these past few months, I haven't received a lot of pushback from my job, um, from the people that I work with. It's been more, how can we support each other and, and how do we bring uh, the best thing to life? Yeah, that's, that's, that's good when, you, when you're getting buy-in on every avenue. Sherm, um, it's um, amazing, you know, um, just to see how um, – the whole country is rallied as we talked about and and people who don't even watch basketball is a part of the story. And, you know, so it's hitting every sector of what we do. And it's, and it's great to see um, a strong woman like yourself, Mel, um, you know, making an impact because sometimes gender equality, you know, you know, inequality actually, you know, doesn't allow that to happen. You know, normally that voice would have to come from someone who was uh, in the league or maybe has to have a, a big-time career to touch the masses, it doesn't matter, you know, with Adidas. They want the best person to get it done, and, and you happen to be a woman, and, and, and that should be celebrated because that, that doesn't always um, – that's not the norm. Let's, let's be honest. That's not the norm. Um, you know, I want to touch on, you know, really, um, you know, the portrayal of women in sports media. Because, you know, media tends to represent women athletes as women first and then athletes second. You know, most of the time, you know, the coverage of women is often dominated by references to their appearance, age, family life. Whereas with men, you know, it's depicted a little more powerful, you know, independent, dominant. But, you know, for me, you know, that's inaccurate because, you know, it, it should be an even playing field. It's very, very many um, dominant women in their sport. 
you know, that that juggle a lot of things. Billie Jean King, you know, like, I mean, um, Cheryl Swoops, we talked about, um, you know, Candace Parker. I mean, there's plenty that 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 paved the road um, and should be having that, you know, equality, having that same respect um, in sports. And it's great to see you impacting sports, you know, all the way through from grassroots you know, to now, you know, Adidas Global Basketball. You know, how has your presence in sports as a woman affected other young women who look at you and look up to you and maybe want to be or pursue a career like you have? I mean, you are on the sidelines. You're at some great games. You got some great connections um, with top-level athletes, what what does parents come up to you? What do other little girls come up to you and inspire to be when when they meet you and understand what you do? It's it's really funny. Um, you talk about how the first thing whenever a professional walks in the room, whether it's a professional athlete or someone like Chris Chin, um, and um, and the, I think everyone's like, oh yeah, this female is powerful female. Why can't she just be a powerful person? I spent so much of um, my youth, especially in college, not even wanting to like be affiliated with like being a woman in sports. Like, can I just be someone in sports? Like it was one of those things where being a woman was always going to make things harder. So maybe even changing my nickname, like my name is Melissa, but I go by Mel. So that's gender neutral, like signing, sending emails and being like, sincerely Mel, you know, maybe they're not going to know who I am. Um, and wearing baggy clothes and, and layers. And I never wanted to show um, my femininity. I was always just like, the last thing I want them to say is, oh, well, she's too pretty for this job, or she's too, um, she's too energetic for this job, or she talks too much. And it's assumptions that come with being a woman. Um, and another thing that I was so nervous about was just letting my voice be heard. And um, I was more of a tactical person. I was always the person that was willing to get the job done. Um, and it, was, it wasn't until I was at, at Adidas and even before that, when I was managing at Pepperdine, that I learned to have a voice. And it, it wasn't because I just woke up one day and said, you know what, I am a female and, and I am going to do that. I am going to be a woman in sports. Like, no, that was not what I wanted to do. It was... It was men who believed in me, who saw my light and said, speak, say something. You have something, you always have something good to say, say it. Um, you know, dress how you want. Uh, because it was always men who actually were huge influences in my life to, to help me be comfortable in my own skin. Um, and then, of course, other women. Sean Barina, who I, I believe met Sean. Um, she's now at Baller TV, but she was over at Mamba Sports Academy. Um, she was one of the influential females that helped encourage me to just have a goal, go for it. Yeah, she and, pushed the culture. Yeah, you're a woman. Yeah, and she's definitely scenes, but it's it's someone like her who I have on speed dial, who I talk to every other day, who's encouraging me, and then someone like Krista Chin, who works for the NBA Players Association. On, on the player development side is the VP and um, Michelle Roberts. And I know, I know we talk about Candace Parker and NECA and Shanae, and these are amazing 
women who play professional sports who are, you know, great sisters, mothers, um, broadcasters. But the women that I, you know, really lean on behind the scenes are are women who are behind the scenes. And those are the women that I approach and, and I, you know, I said, hey, how did, how did you get here? Or this is a long shot, but are you available for some coffee? Um, and, I, and I was thankful that they took a chance on me, but for parents that come up to me, they're more surprised. They're like, how did you get here? Or can you talk to my daughter about um, the importance of school or can you talk to my daughter about appearance? And I, to be honest, I am always like shocked because I'm like, I, I don't even, like I barely have it together. <laughs> I always am like, I'm constantly on the move and, and I don't have it figured out yet. So well, you definitely got I it together. Like you got it figured out. I think that's just the humbleness in you, but I, I get it when you can have continuous improvement is part of your DNA. You, you never feel like you arrive, right? You just continue to. Right. And the more you know. Through. Right. Yeah. And the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. And then you're like, nah, I'm a beginner. Like you're always, you always feel like you're a beginner because this need to, to want to master something, to want to study it and, and just completely engulf yourself in something you realize, you know, it's everything's evolving. So right. I always, I never feel like the professional in any room. And I'm used to being the youngest person in the room. I'm, I'm used to being one of the, um, the few females in the room. And so to me, I, I feel like I'm, I'm always overlooked. And then someone will come up to me and be like, Hey, you know, how did you get here? What did you do? I mean, you got and an I amazing path. You have an amazing journey. I mean, <laughs> I'm inspired. I mean, Sherm, uh, you know, jump in. I, I know you have some different takes too, because Mel's making inroads at a young age and, and trailblazing, which is phenomenal. I mean, it's only going to get better, you know, from here. Sherm, what what you thinking? Well, you know, what I want to ask is that uh, women in general are starting to make some serious progress off the fields of play, you know, on the fields of play. There are all kinds of examples that are great, whether it's the WNBA or the women's national soccer team, and it's just getting more exposure. Um, but women are starting to come up in management areas and positions. You know, Becky Hammond is finally starting to get her her just due. Um, and Jeannie Buss is a great example because we don't have, you know, you have used, as I'm listening to you, Melissa, the words behind the scenes a couple of times. How do we get women in front of the scenes? I mean, what is the, the future for women on the business side of sports or, you know, even on the field of play, really? But, you know, we have such influential women who haven't necessarily had the opportunity to step forward and and be the leaders rather than be behind the scenes because i could see someone such as yourself running the the department you know not not being an intern not just having the gig but actually being the leader at that place and how is it you know how do we get the women to the front of the line rather than the middle of the line and i would say speaking to a white male that it is people like you who help get women to the front of the line. It is, it is having allies who are going to give us equity instead of equality. I mean, we want equality, believe me. We want equality, um, but we need equity first and especially black women. Black and brown women need equity in spaces. 
um, they need people to actively say, hey, you know what? I'm in this position, how do I pull someone up? And, and not just, oh, like, let me just pull anyone out. Let me, let me just look at a resume and, and filter, out, um, filter out all the black and brown candidates and let's grab the first one. No, it's how do I look back and say, there was this person who, who had great potential. How can I invest in her? How can I um, make sure that she's okay? I would say that it also requires other women who are in those spaces to help pull other women up. And I think one thing I've learned is that other women are scared to pull other women up. And it's not because we don't want to. I used to think that. I used to think, oh, it's so competitive. If, if one woman's in there, she doesn't really want to help other females. And no, it's, it's not that. I was, I was thinking so wrong um, when I was younger. It's really, we're scared to. We're, if we... If I'm the only female in the room and someone told me, you know, don't be the last, make sure you're not the last, because as soon as I mess up, they might never, they might never bring another uh, minority female in, in the room. Um, but it's someone telling me that and realizing, okay, if it's, if it's my job to not be the last, if it's my job to help bring others forward, who am I willing to put myself on the line for um, to do that? And it's and so I'm finding my confidence, and I'm working on bringing other women up and, and reaching out to other women and actively saying, you know what? As as many people as I know, as many um, qualified men that I know, is there any qualified females that I know? If if that answer is no, then I need to do my job and search for some because they're out there. There's plenty of qualified women out there. Um, so I do think it's it's people like you and um, people in positions of power that need to turn on that switch in their head and say, okay, how do we provide equity to women? And especially women of color, especially black women. So that, I guess that's my solution, which isn't really a solution. But. No, no, I, I, no, I understand. Um, you know, it, it, the numbers are so skewed. Uh, obviously, sports has been a male-dominated society, uh, whether it's the management side of sports or on the fields of play. Now we're having, like, you know, we have the new Women's Soccer League. Um, and so we're starting to get a little bit more um, exposure for women in sports. And women are starting to make inroads. But, you know, we've got people like Michelle Obama, who is now, uh, you know, advocating for some great causes. We've got people like Maria Taylor, who is really shot up the landscape uh, of ESPN. You know, she's all over the place, which is great. It, it helps the exposure. But as you say, and as I mentioned, the numbers are skewed. Um, and if we get the right people in the right places, we might be able to change those numbers and, and change the game. Not just put one or two people there, but, you know, really um, expand the landscape and, and make opportunity. And I think we need opportunity. Um, as you say, the numbers are there, but do you think the opportunities are there? Not now. Mm. Um, I, ho I hope in three years we're having a different conversation. Sure. Uh, I think the opportunities are better than what they were three years ago. Mm. And mm. I can see, um, I can see an, an incline, you know, when you look at the numbers and an incline of women um, representation in, in important spaces. And even if you look at, you know, we, we don't give a lot of credit to the Players Association, but I'm a huge fan of 
of them and, and that union, I think they're the most powerful union in the world. Mm -hmm. And you look at who's at the top, you know, you've got, yeah, Chris Paul's the president, Andre Iguodala, um, Jalen Brown's part of it. But you look at the people behind the scenes and it's actually led by three very powerful women. Mm -hmm. You've got Michelle Roberts, you have Chrissa Chin, um, you've got Cherie Deans and, um, and they're leading it. And I think that opportunity wasn't, wasn't um, openly talked about. I think, I mean, especially in a position that, that's high, that high, um, players voted for them. Players wanted them. So, you know, the opportunity isn't where, um, isn't where it should be, in my opinion. Um, but it has gotten better because you, you look and you see some of the top reporters and people who people who people are talking about. And, you know, you bring up Maria Taylor, but let's talk about Taylor Rooks. Right. Let's talk right. about Rachel Nichols, who has mm -hmm. been there for, yeah, for yep. years. And let's talk about, um, about, I'm trying to think of, I guess Taylor Rooks is, uh, to me, like, that's, she's it. Mm -hmm. like, right. yeah. like, she's it to me. Because well, players are so comfortable with her. Sure. ESPN has no. done a great job, I think. Uh, they have endorsed Doris, yeah. Doris Burke is like, I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I was about to say. I mean, yeah. I feel like Doris Burke still doesn't get her just due. I mean, and, um, I think she's one of the best uh, analysts in the game, uh, men or women. It doesn't matter. I don't even, you know, my thing is I try not to categorize, but I understand we need to highlight those things because it does need to have change. Trust me, you know, as an African-American male, um, I've been one of one on many occasions. I think um, if I look at the span of my career, I would have to say 25, 27 years, I was one of one, you know, just the only person. And um, and it, it's an impact because um, you get hit in stereotypes. You do get hit, um, you know, with uh, other things, the way you look in Zooms, how you dress, everything that has, right. Yeah. Everything that does nothing. Either one, you're either overlooked. Right, right. I agree. And and so I can only imagine, you know, for a woman, you know, who are even marginalized even more than males, you know, even a black male, a woman is still more marginalized. You know, it's just it's still not fair, you know. And then, you know, Sherm, you brought up ESPN. I mean, it's this whole campaign that I'm loving is, you know, don't retire kid, you know, really talks about um, the youth. And right now, um, 69 percent of girls do not play team sports on a regular basis and that's the issue you know that's the issue and that's and that's down 45 percent from 2008 so what the hell are we doing we it's a it's a problem and and I think what it is is you know we're talking about opportunity Sherm is very it's very very uh, simple is what we did today uh, we invited a, a great guest who happened to be a a, a female, right? Because it didn't matter, but she happens to be a, a female, very, very dominant, but it's a meritocracy for us. We looked at it different. It's based off of production. And if we base it off of production, it's plenty of women who are super productive in their fields, in their industry, right? That can't, those numbers can't be denied, but yet we don't want to use that reference when it comes to women, right? We don't want to give them a fair playing field when we say, hey, you just outworking everyone else, right? In the field. I mean, you've been outworking everyone, Melissa, in your field. Maria Taylor, the same way. Doris Burke, the same way. Becky Hammonds, the same way. But then yet, we always want to add 
extras, right? That's the problem, right? We want to add extras. Uh, someone had a, a very interesting thing to say about when women are being hired. You know, like men, men get hired on potential. Like, oh, he's got great potential. He's got huge upside. You know, let's take a chance on him. Women have to show the work first. We have to show that we can do it for, some, for us to even get a look. You know, like, that's something that we, that we were raised knowing we had to do that. Like, being at Pepperdine and my roommates were on the women's basketball team, they always had to be more than just a basketball player because they knew that, you know, the odds of them playing professional basketball were really slim. So let me make sure I'm hitting these books. Um, let me make sure that I'm preparing for law school or med school or the next MBA program that I need to look at. And we always had to think, okay, well, this isn't good enough. Whatever we're doing right now is not good enough. And, and I grew up um, living like that. Like, I know we talk about fear versus faith. And as much faith as I had, I did have a sense of fear of, I'm not doing enough. Um, and, and thankfully, there were people, there were great men and great women who looked at me and said, you're doing more than enough. Let me give, let me give you a position. Let me give you a shot. Um, but I always had this mentality of like, I need to do more. I'm not doing enough. Um, and I'm sure other women who have made it to the positions that they've made um, have felt that way. No, I agree with you. And, and here's what I challenge um, men who, in, who are in powerful positions of authority who can make change make a difference because I have extreme amount of empathy because the parallels are are similar to a black man in America in leadership you know some strong parallels there but but right now in women's sports you know they're only receiving about four percent of the coverage sports media coverage so that's the issue as well right that's a huge issue right and, and one of the reasons why I chose to go on the WNBA side, and I'm still not doing enough, you know, um, as an agent, was because I wanted to highlight that. And um, me and my son, Deshaun, had a chance um, last year, I think it was, yeah, 2019, last year, that we went to um, the rally in New York, you know, for women, the march, which was huge and impactful. And then it one thing that was a little funny to me was that women were coming up to us and they were assuming that I had a daughter that was in the march, right? And I said, no, um, I have three boys and I'm just here to support, you know? And they were thrown off and they were just amazed, right? Because, you know, what? You know, what's going on? And it was very, very powerful. And that was the first time that NYC had did something that significant. And it was one of the biggest marches um, and we was a part of history there, not even trying to be a part of history, but we were. But um, he was forever changed. I was forever changed. And I knew we had to do make a difference. And even though I have that mindset at Westcliff, I still have fell short in trying to accomplish some of the goals that I have as far as gender equality with the participation of women in sports it seems to me it's I'm seeking very, very hard. I'm asking my coaches to seek very, very hard. But there are few and far between, you know, when it comes to male to female participating. And if it's 69% dropping off at the age 11, right, it might not be any women's sports if this continues to go on. So I'm incredibly um, saddened 
and nervous about that. Um, how are you feeling about that? To me, it's it's a rally cry to brands, to the billion dollar brands, to double down whatever little money they're spending on marketing to women. They need to double down on it. Um, I think that it's upsetting, but at the same time, we like we can't be shocked about it. When when women when I walk into a gym and and people assume that um, my role is sister girlfriend um what else it's like the assumption the assumption that i'm just someone's plus one it's crazy it's like it's not my job to be there yeah no it's crazy it's and it's so it's i get a laugh about it but it's sad it's not okay and i laugh maybe because it's like well how else am i going to deal with this because it's always going to happen i'm always going to be a try to be affiliated with a man someone's always going to try and, and take my access away and say, oh, well, it's because she's, she's so-and-so's girlfriend or she's so-and-so's sister, um, which none of, like, my brother doesn't play basketball. Um, the brothers that I do have basketball is we met through basketball and, and they're like family to me, but it, it's upsetting. And I think for me, I stopped playing sports because, and I still, I still hoop from time to time, um, but I stopped playing in high school because I knew, and, I, and I'm thankful for it, I knew that I wanted to make a difference and make an impact in basketball. And I thought I wanted to be an athletic trainer. So right. as soon as you, as soon as you, yeah, like as soon as you find that out, um, you don't just keep playing basketball and like be like, Oh, I'll prepare for athletic training when I'm in college. It's like, no, it's a competitive field. So how do I get involved now? And, and I worked with the athletic trainer school and became a manager for the boys basketball team because he saw that in me. He saw that the way I cared and the way I was able to, to see people's needs and, and find a solution. Um, Trey Meeks was like, how do I empower you to do what you want to do? And right. that's the only reason why I stopped. Yeah, you It know, wasn't because like, go ahead. No, no. What I was going to say is, I mean, you just t- touched on some really, really interesting um, perspectives on how things are portrayed on you as soon as you come in just to do your job, you know, I mean, it's hard, it's hard enough to do your job, you know, but to actually have to jump through those hoops first before you do your job is completely unfair. Right. And yet that's at your level. And I can only imagine the other levels that you're talking about, you know, behind the scenes, um, not getting the credit, people don't even know who you are, but you're making things happen. Um, you know, Sherm, I want you to hop in here, like, because to me, if I had to do 10 other things before, let me give you this analogy. It's like one of the reasons why I moved to the West Coast was I'm an East Coast boy. Uh, during the winter time, if I had to shovel snow just to get my car out of the driveway before I go to work, I probably wouldn't make it work, right? And for you to have to jump through all these hoops just to come in, all these stereotypes before you even operate and do your job is completely amazing to me how you pull that off. Sherm, I know you have some more questions to ask, but isn't this like we're just highlighting just a, a snapshot of the problem? I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you, you know, know what? It, it the, the feeling I get sometimes... When I see a lone 
woman in a sport or at a company. Does it, Melissa, I want to get your take on this because what you're saying, Sean, I understand entirely. Does it feel like sometimes, hey, we've got a token woman in there just to keep up appearances? Or is it genuine? I mean, when when I see somebody like Greg Popovich give Becky Hammett a shot, and Greg Popovich is beyond reproach as far as I'm concerned. I mean, his credibility is off the charts. So when he gives somebody a chance, I say, that's a real chance. But if, you know, Sean, you said you were one-on-one for the longest time, right? Forever. Exactly. I and still so am. It, does it equate to women the same way? Is it like, well, you know what, we'll put her in it's there worse. Just, to, just to make it's it worse. look good. But we don't have others that we're bringing along. Does it feel like, Melissa, that it might just be a token situation? And I, I'm not talking about ESPN. Whatever the, it doesn't even have to be a sports company. Um, but, you know, you see it on occasion. They, yeah, just in general. But it happens in sports because, again, sports is, has traditionally been a man's uh, industry, all of sports, right. you know, male lately, dominant for sure. Exactly. You know, the WNBA started in 97. Okay. If we look at women's sports in general, is there an equal and opposite sport in tennis? Yeah, we have women in golf. Yes, we have women, uh, in baseball. Okay. Softball football, we don't have, and basketball's only been around for 23 Not years. For women. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Olympics. Yeah. Olympics. We definitely have women in sports. But Sean, you were mentioning 40%. It was only 40 yeah. percent in the Olympics that was right. Covered right. by women. And you're you're mentioning that women don't get the coverage. Four percent. So when we so when we see a woman in a in a spot, a position of authority or even just coming up, does it feel like it's real is my question. Is it reality or is it just a sense of, uh, you know what, uh, all right, we'll just put somebody there or, or give her a shot yeah. and make it, make it look as though we are doing our due diligence and we're advocating for women's groups. Is it, is it yeah. honesty? Is it diligence? Or not? Yeah, I mean, th- this is a complicated answer, so I, I, hope, I, I hope I explain it correctly. <laughs> yeah. um, I, when I see that, a token woman in the room, um, that I, I have no doubt that that woman is probably overqualified for that position, um, that she deserved that role. I, I 110% have no doubt that that company um, is trying to do better. And so then f- for them, the solution of trying to do better is hiring a female um, or a woman of, you know, whether she's white, black, brown, whatever, but hiring a female in that role um, and, and I'm sure that woman deserved it. But where companies fall short is that they'll hire women um, for these various roles, a lot of responsibility, but then they won't create more headcount um, at the lower tiers. They, um, they'll just hire this woman and they think that that's the blanket statement for a hundred women that should have probably gotten manager and director roles. Um, so there, there is some, it's weird because it's like, it sucks. It's great that there is a woman there now. It's great that you've filled that position of power in an SVP role with a, with a female. Um, but what are you, like, I want to turn the page on that. And it's like, okay, well, what's next? Did you open up your roles? Are you actively seeking women for the roles that are open? Um, are you developing women? And I think it's the the same argument can be made for um, men and women, black, black men and women. Um, I know, I know we're talking about females in sports and this and that, but I'm, 
who who would I be if I only talked about women without acknowledging um, one the disparity between um, women and black women and black men? You know, I think white women like to say um, they're a minority when when they're allowed to be a minority when it benefits them. But at the end of the day, they're also white, so it so it helps them. Um, black women don't have that luxury. Black men don't have that luxury. Um, actually, well, you know, they're, at least they're, they get to share the, the title of man. But um, when you look at those roles and, and you hire a black man or you hire a woman, whether she be black or white, um, in those higher roles, are you even create, is your environment even healthy enough for them to do their job correctly? Or is it still a hostile, racist, sexist environment? You know, Nine out of ten times, it's still a hostile, racist, sexist right, right, environment. Right, you're right. You are so right on the note. Son, I, I don't want to cut you off, but if you, and I don't necessarily want to bring light to this um, because it's not a great subject, but you know, we were talking about ESPN. If you look at their history, wow, they have a problem with that. They do. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they didn't have very many female sportscasters or reporters. They have a lot more now, which right. I think they're trying to do right within the community because Absolutely. their history. Yeah, their history is not a very good one where gender equity and also the treatment of women at right. their at their company. Exactly. So that's a great point that you bring up, Melissa, about the work environment. Is it a hostile environment or or, you know, are women welcome there or do women even want to work there? And if you make that that, you know, you portray that, you know, this is totally male and, and, and you know, we get a woman in there and she's, you know, physically uh, mentally abused. Problems. Yeah, exactly. They don't want to stay. Yeah. Women won't want to stay. And that goes yeah. back to creating that opportunity that women don't have. Yeah, and also even thinking about it, like the question you asked me, even that is rooted in like, damn, imagine, imagine if I, you you said, okay, we've got a room and then all of a sudden they hire a female and and do you think they're just bringing her in the room because they need a, they need representation, they need one female representation, like even that, like when I'm getting dressed for work, I used to think that, I used to be like, am I here, am I the numbers person? And I wasn't. Believe me, I wasn't. But that doubt came in my head because I had I had been around and spoken to so many women who have made it, and they had that fear. And it's because men are men are they can feel that they can feel when they're in a room full of men that men think she's a diversity hire, and black men feel that too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and it's, we're, it's and real. We're probably, yeah, we feel that. And it's like to not be able to express it because the environment is sick. Like, and I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. I work for a brand where um, if I ever felt that way, I was able to properly address it. And if I knew anyone who worked that way, like our HR team, they, at least, at least for me, my personal experience, like they're great people and they're people that do have resources that have helped me evolve as as a female in this industry um and i've never had i've had one or two issues in sports um but i haven't had a lot because i think i've had great men around me and i surrounded myself with great men who who always filled me with light and said hey you got this you're you're the you're a qualified person do you and they empowered me right you know i want to just touch one more subject before we wrap it up but you know, you're, you have an accomplished background yourself and 
you're a self-starter and a business owner of your own right and what you do. Let, talk, talk to us a little bit about what you have going on outside of Adidas as well. Yeah, um, so I actually have my own LLC. Um, and what I do is, even though I, I work for Adidas, anytime someone needs my help, I can operate as a separate entity um, and also allow, um, allow other people to join in on the project because it's an LLC. So I, I get to hire people um, for projects. But what I do outside of Adidas is more in the grassroots space, more in the community space, whether that is um, helping coaches create schedules, helping them work on big picture goals. So, you know, a lot of people I work with are macro level thinkers and I'm thankful that I'm a micro level thinker and I just help them fill in the gaps. So they want to do a community event. I'm like, well, have you thought about X, Y, and Z? Have you thought about, um, you know, making sure you have event insurance or making sure that the social rollout. So people, you know, there's an attendance, whether it's virtual or in person, um, have you thought about the social rollout? I help on the strategy side, but also work with a few different um, event companies and just, I'm either I'm a media director one day, um, sometimes I'm even doing admissions just because I have a background, like dealing with cash doesn't scare me. Um, and, and holding that much cash, is, I mean, you know, I think you guys have, you guys run events. So it's like, you're holding so much cash and not a, not a lot of people um, can be trusted with that. They have to earn that. And I'm thankful that I've earned the trust of a few people to work and help them with their finances when it comes to events. Um, but I, I do help with that. That's stuff that I don't, I don't need to do it, but a part of me really wants to because at the end of the day, our community is what matters. And like you said about, about girls, girls quitting early, even, even boys. Now kids aren't playing multiple sports. They're not, um, they're not playing baseball in the spring. They're just sticking to basketball or just sticking to football. And that hurts them, I think. Um, so when I could be in a position where, okay, when sports, when sports doesn't do everything that it should do, when it doesn't develop boys and girls and, and help them become men and women, how can I help and how can I step in? Um, and so working with coaches on developing plans that are beyond, um, beyond, the court is something that I enjoy doing and and I do it whenever I have the time so well I'll tell you it's been an eye-opening conversation with you and as you continue to just shoot up the ranks you know of Adidas and and show your interpersonal skill set to those who who love you and those who follow you and those who you inspire I can only imagine what the future has for you. So it's it's definitely been a pleasure for me to sit and hear uh, all the great things that you're doing, all the things currently you're working on behind the scenes and the things that you have uh, going on in future projects. Uh, Sherm, um, we got a great guest here today. Um, <laughs> you know, And it doesn't matter. Gender doesn't matter. But she just she is a strong woman. You know, um, and she's doing her thing um, and her productivity uh, stands out before anything else. Uh, she deserves to be in this space. So for those who think that she doesn't, she's not a token on this show for sure. <laughs> uh, we brought her on this show to enlighten 
And she's done that. She's done her job today as she does every day in every space that she creates a sunshine for other people. So I appreciate you taking the time with us, Melissa. Yeah, thank you for having me on. This is my first podcast. It probably might be my only podcast because. <laughs> well, we, we're, we're, we're definitely honored. Yeah. We would it be all right if perhaps uh, we had another time because there's so much evolving in the world of sports and with you and with Adidas, you know, the next time we talk, the landscape could be different. So would you come on again at a later date? Yeah, I absolutely. Right. And you know what? I will come on again when the landscape changes. Anytime the landscape changes, I will be there Good. because it needs to change. And um, I'm thankful that you guys shed light on on the value of women in the industry and just the value of sports, because I think we we take it we take it for granted. We think, okay, get a scholarship and and use sports, and, and we say all these mantras that that are so old, but yet, are we really living it? Are we really letting sports um, help develop those people? And I know you two have used sports and um, and are be, are better men because of the sports that you're involved in, but. If we look down at, at the next generation, it's like, are these kids are these kids evolving? Um, and I hope that I hope that we can help these kids evolve into into great men and great women. Hmm. Absolutely, so I appreciate well said. You. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is Melissa Malari, who is manager with Adidas Global Basketball. Once again, Mel. Can I call you Mel? <laughs> yeah. You <call> okay. <laughs> Thanks again for coming on. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. You too. Have a great day. Bye. And we want to thank our guest today, Melissa Malari, who is a manager for Adidas Global Basketball. And thank you, of course, to Brandon Peterson, our sound engineer, who makes us sound great every day. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you download your podcast. And please leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get the word out about Westcliff Athletics. And we thank you for your support. That's the problem, yeah. That's the problem, yeah.